Welcome back to another episode of Reality Redemption. MJ, we got Snow with us again as always. Hello. Yeah, short for Snowflake. Uh, this week we're joined by Christopher Eden. Hello, hello. Hey, how you doing? All right. How Welcome are you? to the show. Thank you, thank you. You think after uh, 26, 27 episodes, we get better at this? <laughs> just winging it. Winging we, it tonight. We kind of yeah. like being rookies. Sunday winging. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> holidays coming up. You guys all ready for the holidays? <sighs> ready for them to be over. Yeah, oh, exactly. God. Right? I know. I, ready for this year to be over. I, so I, I kind of don't like holidays. It just, whatever reason, stuff always happens this time of year that just always puts me in a bad mood. And yeah, I got kids. I try to be there for them and yeah. make it good for them. But other than that, I could be done with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's right. The thing is, is like all my family is most, mostly back in Southern California. My mom and I are out here, so it's kind of depressing in a sense. And money's tight, and it is what it is. But yeah, we'll see what next year. Yeah, money's tight for everybody. God, this year with COVID. This, just, is, this, this year is going to be rewritten in the history books for sure. I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's going to, I mean, people say it's going to, we're going to recover. I mean, this, the spike is going up again. And yeah. I think, I think maybe some people are getting a little careless. Like they're like, oh, a vaccine's on the way. So they're just like, but think. it's like, dude, you got to make it to the vaccine part too. Like we're not, they're going to give it to the healthcare workers and the emergency responders first. first I yeah, mean, right. Right. And we're not going to see it till April at least. Yeah. I think they were saying like, um, before the end of the year, the, the emergency responders will get it. And then everyone else should be able to get it by April, but then at least almost everyone should have it by June. I think we're like the deadlines that that's what I heard last. I don't know. Cause it's been a year <laughs> since I've been to a concert. And for me, that's just ridiculous. Yeah. You I, told me about the ones you were ready to go to. And I'm like, Oh uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> what happened to the drive-in one? They can't, they canceled they, they it. They canceled it for, oh. for whatever reason. Um, Maybe they didn't was, sell enough. Who knows? No, no, it wasn't that. I, I think, um, Probably someone on the crew probably got it or something like oh. that. That's I can't figure out because they were still having other ones. Just the one I was supposed to go to got canceled. <clears throat> but, just like uh, yesterday at the Blackbridge Brewery, so Evil Empire was supposed to play, and Anthony, the guitar player, he's really sick and not sure if he has it or not. And then there's another band that backed up because they're one of their uh, uh, guitar player, I believe, uh, confirmed has it. So. But it's still, it was it was fun, just to get out for a little bit. Were there main people there? Um, about fifty ish. Is everybody social distancing? Were they There's, mostly outside? Yeah, it was yeah, all outside. It was that oh, back okay. stage area? Yeah. Well, I know they leave the inside open too. Yeah. Oh, there's tons of people in there. Not yeah, masked up. Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah that's why I won't. Yeah, I'm like it's catch twenty two. I'm like, I love to see live music, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was on the fence about taking the vaccine, but if it's it's kind of like, well, you need the vaccine to go to a show, you know, I don't know if you have to show a card afterwards, you know, <laughs> well, once that comes back. 
Yeah, like, I'm going to take it because by the time we get to take it anyways, there will be a bunch of people who already took it. So, won't we know? And they say, and they say that basically it's like the flu or or whatnot. You can, even if you get the vaccine, you can still get it, apparently, unless you build up proper antibodies. But that percentage is actually low, though, of people. Yeah, and this is, actually, this vaccine is not like any other vaccine, like, Oh, the flu, the flu vaccine will like give you a little bit of the flu or it's actually the last year's, Mm -hmm. but this one does not give you COVID at all. What it gives you is the antibodies. Oh, okay. In your system. See, we all hear different things on the news, you know, my mom, she's, she's watched, she always watches these, uh, daily blast live and all this and and all these people think that there's little microchips in the in the vaccine that are going to track you and all these yeah. conspiracy theories yeah you know? the conspiracy theories <laughs> this is this yeah, sounds I, I, full of I, 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 that. As, as you know oh, i'm not taking the vaccine because i don't want people to track me as i type this on my iphone my my thing is is like <laughs> I, i'm pretty much like with the the people that don't want to take the vaccine, I feel the same way about them that I feel about people who don't want to wear the masks. I'm like, I, I'm done arguing. I'm like, if you don't want to take it, fine. If you don't want to wear a mask, fine. I I mean, that's why I don't really go anywhere, though. In, yeah. Not in not in Kingman. Like, I will go... I feel more comfortable going to Nevada. Good thing we're close, because they're at least following rules yeah. there. Well, yeah, I'm wondering if the if the governor's gonna or our mayor is gonna remandate. She, she can't. She, she can't. She can't. Oh, another uh, <laughs> yeah. um, another council person that did not vote for the mandate can bring it up again. So oh. there's a couple new council members that got sworn in this week. One of them technically could bring it up, but again. they're not going to because they're ultra conservatives too uh, right. they ran their they okay the council people are supposed to be nonpartisan. yeah and they purposely when they were running put it out there that they're like conservative because they know that this is an ultra conservative town yeah and they yeah. wanted to win those seats <laughs> even though council so they basically i mean i don't know how that's like not against some rule you're not supposed to yeah, even say your political party yeah and it's interesting doing uh, deliveries for DoorDash and Postmates. So I'm seeing these different places. Um, apparently now the Taco Bell over on Stockton Hill, their lobby is completely closed now again. Okay. But the one over Andy Devine, they're open. It's like, but it's, huh. it's the same owner, so. I, That's weird. Yeah, so. Maybe <clears throat> maybe that one had a COVID breakout and they're like, they had to close it down. May, yeah, maybe something like that. To disinfect <clears throat> or whatever. I guess the, the the whole point where I was going with this is, you know, missing concerts and stuff like that. Tangent. And, and okay. Music is like therapy to me. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, yeah. especially the live concerts and that feeling. Even though I'm an introvert, I like being in the crowd and the experience and 10,000 people all singing together, mm-hmm. you know. And the biggest thing, too, that, that, that bugs me is when they try and defund um, s- uh, music in schools. You know, yeah. you know, I have a huge sticker, keep music in schools on my car. And it basically, it has helped me through the darkest times. <laughs> I mean, when I was in Taiwan touring, I was so lonely and I just I used to put it in my headphones and go to sleep. 
and just wish for the best the next day. Um, but um, when I see kids accelerating in music, you can see the you can see the passion and the pleasure in their eyes. Um, I've got a few friends back in California that teach music, and they're so they don't have hardly any money. Um, my friend Brian had to actually buy his own new music stands out of his own pocket because mm-hmm. they wouldn't fund him for basic like, essentials. Like all teachers, right. yeah. Yeah, they, uh, teachers, yeah. All teachers. Uh, so I mean, underrated teachers. They've been doing that. My, my mom's a retired school teacher. She's been buying her own supplies in the 80s when I was a kid at school. She's like, I have to buy them yeah. because the school doesn't provide it. It's horrible. Like, I mean, And then the kids go without. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, I mean, that's that's like saying, you know, with, with the police, you know, hey, what if the police had to buy their own bullets? <laughs> right. You know, hey, maybe they'd be less sh- police shooting. I just, case. I don't understand why in if we're supposed to be like the number one country, like that's what they're always telling us. Why in the hell isn't education even valued? And no matter what type of education it is, yes, music is important. The art, all the arts are important. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, with, you know, mental health is a big thing, you know, and I think if we did prioritize music more. All the arts, like all the arts, like all the outlets of arts, I think that that does help with mental health. I mean, like. Because I'm, like, into more of, like, theater, you know? I like yeah, music, I too. Yeah, theater, yeah. But, like, I'm really into theater, and that was one of my favorite things that I did this year was being in that play. Like, I feel so much better that I you, did it. It gives you a sense of expression, too. You know, it, right. it, it helps you maybe, you know, you have some issues built up or whatnot. I know for me, at least, like, when I used to play, I haven't played live in a long time, but I used to get up on that stage. And no matter if I connected with one person in the crowd out of like 5,000, that made my night. Knowing that that person would come up to me and say, you know what, you don't know me, but I appreciate the music and I love the way you play, whatnot. I would go home just smiling. Just just knowing that, you know, I helped someone out, you know, in their sense of maybe being down or whatnot. And um, so that's why I love music so much. And I want to get back into it, but it's been so difficult being out here. What what brought you to Kingman? Um, my mom moved out, moved out here about four and a half years ago. Her friend uh, said came out here, bought a house, and said, "Oh, it's the best place to live in the world." La la la. She oh. moved. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we moved her out here, and um, we looked for places: Laughlin first, Vegas, and then out here we found a three a three bedroom, two bath uh, uh, apartment. And then about two weeks later, she had a huge falling out with that friend that invited her out here, oh, and no. they totally cut ties. My mom was on the phone to me back in California all the time, crying. I'm so miserable. I'm stuck in this contract. And where I was at the time, I was living with a roommate and it was not going that great. So I made the decision to pack up and come out here. And that was um, three and a half years ago. And it's been it's been a rocky roller coaster out here for me, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it has for all of us. I mean, 
we we rag on this this place a little bit, but we do have a really good circle of friends. It a is. small circle of friends, but they're yeah. just a bunch of really good people. Yeah. There's oh, and I wanted to ask you too, since you're from California, do you have to experience a lot of the folks here like Having a cow about California when you tell them that's where you're from. Don't California my Arizona. I know. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, do they get mad. I I get mixed emotions. But you know what? I've met a lot of people that have moved from California out here. Right. You know? A lot of conservatives move here from California because they get sick of the... California they bullshit. get yeah. sick of like how expensive it is in California, and so, oh, like some of it, like yeah. they don't. Some of their gripes, though, they. I would like to remind people again that California has the world's fifth richest economy. Okay, out of the entire world, United States is like number one. One state, number five. Like I always try to remind people of that here because, like, Arizona actually is able to get by because of a state like California. And it's it's well they it's, should stop riding on California. It's crazy because I mean they say to be comfortable in at least Orange County, I don't know about LA and San Diego and whatnot, but you need you need to make an average of like eighty five thousand dollars a year just to mm-hmm. get by. And um, the apartment we're in here in Kingman, three bedroom, uh, two bath, fourteen hundred square feet um, paying about nine hundred a month. Yeah. That back in Irvine, say Irvine, California, it's going to cost you like three to four thousand. Yeah, a few thousand. Well, yeah. Well, why do you think that is? Like in California, that things are so expensive, though. I bet I know why. Because you, think about it, you have to pay a huge premium for the best weather. That state probably has the best weather right. out of any of the states. It's pretty, yeah. And then, I mean, for the most part of California, because it is kind of a long state um and there's so much opportunity there i mean there's so much work there there's yeah but land of opportunity the problem being is the homeless problem out there oh yeah but okay but an argument with that there's a homeless problem everywhere we have a homeless problem here in kingman i mean people are sitting there always saying oh the cities are full of tents number one that's everywhere that's that's due to the 80s like inflation not keeping up, wages not keeping up with inflation. I mean, th- these are all things that are part of the whole. When Ronald Reagan sat there and told people, you know, government is the problem, he really drilled that into people's head to make them not trust their government, that their government would be there to also help them. So now we're ending up with. This like every man for himself, and when you do that, then also add to the fact you're like uh, letting businesses do whatever they want with all the deregulations that they're not held up. They don't have to follow any rules, and the people are the ones that are suffering. The average people are suffering. Yeah, I mean, you think they could establish some kind of rent control? You know where it's yeah, in, in, you know where it's in terms of where the wages are so affordable housing and all that stuff but you know that gets into those socialist programs yeah, <laughs> that everybody hates. yeah i mean i remember right. looking into that years ago and the, like the wait list was like three years or something like that um but getting back to the homeless pop, uh, problem uh, especially in santa Ana, 
down by the courthouses. So my neighbor, when I lived in Garden Grove, she retired 35 years working as a court reporter. And her goal basically was to help the homeless. Mm -hmm. And what she did, and I helped her out with this for so many, for so long, she would make hygiene kits and big, huge plastic bags, basic and essentials, toothbrush, toothpaste. Yeah, our, our, fr our friends Aaron and Courtney do that. We have friends yeah, who do that. Yeah, yeah. When I heard about that, I, I was like, wow, that's really cool. So she, But she had some excess money, so she had like sleeping bags. We would pass out hats and socks and things like that and food. And some were receptive. I know there's a lot of mental illness going on still, but some were receptive. Some were so appreciative and some were greedy. They wanted like everything, everything, thing. everything. Yeah. But just helping her out with that for a few years was, was really nice. But, uh, I mean, I'm talking hundreds of people down by the library in Santa Ana. You know, it was, it was. Hard. And that's another thing too, like with the, uh, there's a large majority of the people who are homeless who are mentally ill. Yeah. And there were a lot of mental institutions that were closed in the 80s. They got mm -hmm. rid of them. And they turned it into prisons instead. And so now they ship people off to prison who are... Which is not... And it's like, that's, that's not, not that's helping not, anything. No, that's not rehab, rehab, rehabilitation of people. That, you know, just shipping people off because they... Maybe have a drug charge or they're, they're, you know, this, that, and the other thing. They don't know. They're schizophrenic, not on their medications. Right. It's not the, the goal to put them in jail. It's to help them. And, you know, personally for me, when I moved out here, I was with Mojave Mental Health. And I went through eight caseworkers in a year, two psychiatrists. And I was like, Where's, where's this, this is the crack I'm falling through. So I just quit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the problem being is, you know, in a state like Arizona is there's not not proper funding. Yeah. So the, these facilities can't afford to keep the good people. They yeah. go out to a bigger city. That's what and I was told. Is a lot, a lot of like maybe residents whatnot will come here, do their time, or realize they don't want to be in this maybe slightly rural town to move on to bigger things. And that's the, that's the expl explanation that was given to me all the time. I mean, that's healthcare across the board, not, yeah. not just mm -hmm. mental health care. And, and health care, it's, it's mental health care is so, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like, you know, I, I, I'll, be, I'll admit I'm, I, I take medication and all that. And <clears throat> I don't know if it's working or not. I don't feel like a light switch is go like, whoa, this medication, I'm a different person. I, you know, I don't feel that. Um, there is something called a gene site test, which actually they take your DNA and they match up with the medications you're taking to see if those medications are actually going to work for you or not. It's a, it's an amazing test and it's, it's pretty, um, you can, it's like, a, you can get, uh, financing for it. Um, so it's something like I'm taking, like I take, you know, I'm diabetic. So I take and a high blood pressure. So I take about nine medications every morning. Wow. Mostly physical, one, two for depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. um, but again, if your DNA makeup is not ex uh, taking that in properly, then there's no point in taking it. Anyway, that's something I want to have done. But again, my, my primary care doctor, she never wants to give me a referral and things like that. Oh, that comes to insurance and everything. Yeah. Else. I mean, it, that's that's 
part of the problem too. If we would get rid of the why healthcare has to be such a business yeah. and a making money business right. and big pharma, big yeah, pharma. Yeah. If we yeah. actually cared, but that's another thing. Like getting back, like to um, I believe that some of it is like your genes and your DNA, but I think a lot of it too is the way in which our lives are, you know, I'm like, if they, if they gave people better opportunities here, like there were better wages, there were benefits, you know, they had health care, you would have happier people. Like that would solve a lot of the mental health issues right there. Like the ones with depression and everything. If they had, like, I'm so sick and tired of hearing people say, talking about how people are just lazy and they don't want to work. Yeah, you're always going to have that small percentage. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who find real value in work and they get a lot of self-fulfillment out of that. Yeah. And they just yeah. want, like, a better opportunity. And if we had people who like elected officials which we have some but there's a lot of them who just don't care and they're more about like making money from like the lobbyists and everything yeah, they, they're it's all crap, a money yeah. making scheme basically <clears throat> i know that you know uh, being at work for the last few weeks um yeah it, it takes a toll on my mental health <laughs> oh yeah Right. It's, it's not like you find. want to do, yeah. you don't want to be out of work. You would love to have a job, yeah. you know? It feels good. I mean, it, 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 the productivity just enhances your mental well-being, first of all. Yeah, yeah. Plus, plus you're just not sitting home just thinking, woe is me and thinking about your problems all yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're busy. I've been doing that since January, you know. Renaissance laid me off or... Uh, other words so it's been a, it's been a hard you know so i got thank goodness i got into the, the delivery business with postmates and doordash and that's that's help but it's like this it depends on the day and whatnot um nothing steady yeah uh how is that though during these times delivering isn't that when isn't well, that a little sketchy well when when um and i think i started in march maybe april it was no one wanted to leave. And I was also doing Instacart, which is shopping for customers and delivering their groceries. Um, on average, it was making me five to six hundred bucks a week. It was right. that busy. It was like full time. Cool. It's it's died down now, um, but it just depends. Um, not sketchy, but yeah, they have. A f I've had a few situations where. People have given me different addresses and, you know, I'm driving around trying to find them and they're like, oh no, you're, you're, you need to go to this location and they're bouncing around like, you know what? Huh. So for the most part, Scammers. people are pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I try and do what I can. And then um, um, another thing I try and do, like you're talking about um, people that are fortunate to have a job. You know, I, I do see people working at McDonald's, Burger King that are, you know, I'm 48 or 47 that are like even older than me. And, I, and to me, I look at that, I'm like, that's awesome. They're doing what they probably can to get by. Um, I met this girl at Panda Express. And um, so I started this little like, campaign with myself to try and, um, well, I try and give someone a good compliment once a day, no matter who it is. Maybe I'm going to make their day a little bit better. I do that too. You know, it's, yeah. it's the right thing to do. Yeah. So I just been, I have like a, a stack of thank you cards in my car. Um, I gave one to our local fire department by my, by my house. 
the KPD, the Sheriff's Department, just saying thank you. Because all the negativity in this world in regards to first responders and law enforcement, yeah. they need to hear that. Um, and then this this girl I met at Panda Express, which is she went above and beyond, and I just gave her this card for her and the restaurant, and I just said, thank you. And sometimes people look at me kind of like, like, strange, like, why are you giving the, what's your alternative motive? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> I just want to make yeah. your day a little bit better. So... Yeah, a, little, <laughs> a little gratitude that goes along. Yeah, way. just like a thank you, you know. I like to tell people, like, too. I mean, if you notice, like they had, like they're wearing something cool or something, then like yeah. give them compliments, like to make them feel better too. Because sometimes, like, you never know what somebody's personal struggles are. Yeah. You never know if they had, like, a really shitty morning and you're and they, like, just needed to hear one thing nice. Exactly. You and know? It brings me to tear, happy tears, you know, when when you can see maybe they're having a bad day, they're stressed out, uh, there's burgers backed up at McDonald's or something, and then I'll just say, you know, it's okay. This one guy at McDonald's on Stockton Hill one day, he was just all over the place. I go, come here, come here, come here. Take a deep breath. I just like, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist or psychologist, but I said, dude, take a deep breath. The day is short. You're going to get through this. Trust me. I know it's stressful at this time, but just look at the big picture and just know that you are appreciated. Um, I he, just a great worker, but he was having a, a tough time, and you know, just little things like that. Just if you could brighten someone's day by something small, that's what we all need to be doing. And then you have a lot of people just bitching and moaning about the littlest things, like 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 the uh, <laughs> the like the Facebook page uh, orchids and onions. Yeah, I you have know. To oh, you know, I don't some, even follow that anymore. Yeah, I get so, it's all onions. Yeah, because like, oh, they, they screwed up my order at you know, at, you know McDonald's. Like, like yeah, okay. And it's like, like, is this the first time that's ever happened to you? Like, what yeah. the fact that you took extra time out of your day to go on and type and complain about it? Like, you already didn't complain in your car <laughs> right. on the right. whole way home, <laughs> and then you're like, I'm gonna light them up on uh, here too, because I just haven't had enough. <clears throat> Like, yell at them in your car. That's appropriate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So. You know, if something like that happens to me, you know, like my order gets screwed up. Yeah, it's annoying for like the first 10 minutes. Then, Guar- guaranteed an hour later, I'm not even thinking about it anymore. Yeah. Right. Or call and cut. Make a complaint. Like, they always give you the receipt. Like, uh, yeah, make but, a complaint that way. Uh, and then, if they're that mad, then you probably will get a coupon for a free burger. Uh, I don't know. Calling call, call <laughs> those numbers, though, you know, that gets even more annoying. You know, press one for this. And you can't get a hold of a person. And you get even more frustrated. So, so you no, try don't it. Even <laughs> don't even bother. <laughs> Over at Arby's there, actually, I had a... Um, so I donated to the kids fund or whatever. They gave me two uh, coupons for free sliders. Okay. So I went in there to just get me and my mom and I uh, two sliders. And the assistant manager took the order and he said, oh, these aren't valid. Huh? And the, the date was fine until 2022. And I said, oh, what do you mean? They're, well, they're not registering when I scan them. I said, well, can you fix it? And he said, 
the music. Music. So you came from Orange County. Yeah, born and raised in, or born in Bellflower, California. Uh, lived in Orange County my whole life. Moved around Orange County and a lot. Right, and so that's a big ska scene there? Yeah, the 90s. In the 90s. Oh my gosh, the 90s, you know, Real Big Fish, Best Friends with Aaron, a lot of those guys. I like uh, them too. They're in a lot of the South Park stuff. <laughs> 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 they were in, I think they were in basketball. They were the band playing in there, yeah, weren't they? And then, um, yeah, Say Ferris. They were in a few movies. I like them. They're still around. They uh, that was a big another another whole story. The their singer, basically, um, yeah, no doubt. And then no, no doubt, no doubt. I love Gwen <clears throat> Stefani. Gwen and Eric Stefani. Not a lot of people know about him. That's her sister. He went. I on, mean, his her, he, and he went on to The Simpsons, right? Uh, yeah, he he's an animator. He's yeah, an amazing animator. Um, and so. Um, yeah, just I can't explain how. So my first band was in nineteen. I was like twenty, maybe twenty, whatever how old that was. But it was a kind of a just a three piece band, and my first band, and we used to just play around, you know, little places. And um, the thing about Orange County, we had a lot of little like what they call DIY do-it-yourself venues which were sometimes they just it was a donation and they would let people in and um, Coos Cafe was a coffee house about the size of this room and that one no stage but that's where No Doubt got their start Um, a bunch of bands got their start there uh, just because it was a cool place to play no alcohol just coffee and um and then it just, you know, just uh, it just went on from there. Different bands, you know, I try out and play. Yeah, don't like it, but, you know, um, the two favorite bands I enjoyed, like, uh, was Abducted. And we were, you know, full-on ska band with horns. Our drummer was more of a rock drummer, but he could still play, like, kind of like the, the, just the quick ska beats. And like I said earlier, we got this... Uh, this offer, we, we auditioned to go over to Taiwan. All of our stuff got freighted over there. Three months, we didn't realize we were going to be in like a very, very, very rural village. Um, you know, we, we would drive down the street and see people just like peeing in the streets and very rural. So it was very humbling. Um, but at the same time, we got very sick because of the water. Um, we had a, we had a tour bus. We had a, a translator and things like that. So it turned out to be pretty good, but you know, we got a little stir crazy because there was nothing much to do. Three months there. Um, three months, three months. Wow. Yep. 1990, January, 1998. Yeah. Was the money any good? Well, I had so many bills. Like I was sending my money back to my, uh, my mom to pay my bills. I got home and I had like a few hundred bucks, but, like our uh, trumpet player who was 15, no bills. He got home and he had, you know, a nice savings going. So, but it, it was at a, their biggest amusement park. And um, it's called Window, Window on the World in China. And the whole theme was about miniatures. They had like an airport with miniature airplanes and all that. And then we got to know the staff. And they had um, 
they had a um, uh, gymna gymnastics group, and they became friends with us and all that. And we had like a little, it was kind of cute. We had a little like groupie fan club. At the time, I had blue, like bright blue hair, and like this one girl, Peen, she came to the show. She had bright blue hair just to match me, and it was oh. kind of flattering. <laughs> it was kind of cool. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we would play four days a week, six days, uh, four times a day. Six days a week. And it, it, we would do like, you know, a few songs and then the country western singers would come up and then the magicians would do their thing. So it was a whole like... So, so you were just in one venue. They weren't like touring. The... Yeah, that was not a... Yeah, that wasn't a tour. That was just the same stage. We, you know, our equipment would just cover, cover it up every night. Um, so that was, a, that was a good experience. But the, going to Europe was the best. Because that was that was ninety nine. Right when I got back, um, I was just filling in for a bass player for this band called Jeffrey's Fan Club, and um, we got <laughs> so we flew we flew over. There's a lot of miscommunication. This is the first time the label had sent any band over there, and so we went over there, and it was um, we got picked up by the the, the cab, and and we got sent to our motel room and all that. And um, so we spent six days in um, touring all through um, London, in I mean, England. Mm -hmm. And um, that was amazing because sometimes some, some venues we didn't have, it depended on the venue. Sometimes they would put us up in a nice motel room or hotel. Sometimes we'd have to all seven of us sleep in the, the, the van or the tour bus, which is not, not big. Um, then just going, we went to France, Italy, Austria, Switzerland. So about six or seven countries. And it was just, just the experience. We, I didn't come on with a dime, but this, the experience of seeing Europe and seeing how people appreciated so much music back then, more than we saw back here was amazing. Did you play with any big bands that we would know? Um, there's a band called Hepcat. Look them up. They are more of a... I think I've heard of them. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. They're... So it was... <laughs> we found out that they were touring around the same time. We showed up at this venue in Italy. We are like, hey, let's just show up and just see. And uh, we met them all. First time I met them all. And just like super great people. Um, and they basically said, did you want to open us? There's like 6,000 people there. Do you want to open up for us like by chance? And we were, we were more of like a ska punk band and they're more of like a traditional, like reggae, uh, Jamaican kind of band. Okay. So we're like, shoot, people are going to like, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to react to this kind of music with distortion. But again, it's like how great it was to see people accept because a lot of people back here, a lot, a lot of people back in the, 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 the USA, they're very snooty, snooty. They're like, you know, I only like this, this, Oh, if you sound like this, I don't know. But over in Europe, everyone was, this was 99. So I don't know how it is now, but they were, they were just, they were so open to us and 
we just had a good time. And it was a place that opened, it was open till five in the morning. And basically we just crashed their show and they invited us to play. So that was really fun. Cool. It, is it nerve wracking getting up from 6,000 people? Um, if, uh, I just imagine them all naked. <laughs> that kind of helps. No. Um, a lot of times you can't see because of the lights and all that, but you know, we knew the songs and I was just a fill in player. So before we left, I only had two weeks to learn like 20 songs. And these are like not easy songs. These are like, you know, ska bass lines and all that. And, yeah. and so, and you know, the band one time they called out a song and they said, let's play dream girl. I'm like, I, we didn't. And somehow I pulled it off and they're like, good job. <laughs> Austria. That was in Austria. But just the experience, just seeing Europe and just seeing, playing with the other bands, uh, local bands, were so hospitable. Um, they took us in some time to, you know, sleep over at their place. We didn't really have a place to sleep. Um, so for the most part, that was fun, you know. Cool. Are you? Any music that you've done on iTunes or Amazon? I am so technically challenged, challenged these yeah. days. Me um, too. My, a, a few friends of mine during the COVID thing, they've been doing, you know, a lot of bands have been doing this like collaboration thing over like Zoom, not, I don't know if it's Zoom or whatever, or um, they get musicians together to put their own parts together and yeah. And they, they bring it together. <clears throat> um, I would love to do that because um, I used to have a setup years ago where I could actually plug into my amp, headphones on, and I could hear myself playing and I play, press an MP3 and it would play along to the song. Yeah. I don't know how to do that anymore. Because um, that's how I taught myself how to play in 1991 when I was 17. I uh, got my first cheesy bass guitar put in Nirvana's Nevermind album and just listen to, I don't, I don't play by music. I just play by ear. Right. So I just basically started following the parts of Chris Novoselic, a bass player. And that's how I first taught myself how to play just by ear. And that's how I learned how to play guitar. Yeah. A lot of people do that. You'll be surprised how many musicians that are huge musicians flee from chili peppers. Can't read a lick of music, but look how great he is, you know? I like play. Like, like my, He's like, a good basketball player too. <laughs> like my kid learned wanted to know how to play guitar, and he goes, "Well, how does he do that?" And I can, I'm no good at the guitar, but I can go, I can listen to it and go, "Okay, this is what he's doing." Yeah, and I can, I can mock it, and go, like it's like, "How did you know that?" And I'm just, well, I don't know, I just know. Yeah, I mean, I got this guy from Nigeria right now online. He he's like, "Can you teach teach me how to play play bass guitar?" And I've never given lessons, you know, I know the basics and I have a book on how to do the basics and all that. You know, you start out basically like kind of like the blues chords, you know, just simple one to three uh, progressions. Um, but uh, I would love, yeah, I would love to teach, you know. I was uh, listening to an interview with Wolfgang Van Halen um, the other day, and he was talking about, how when he wanted to learn how to play guitar, you would think he would have the best dad to be able to teach him. And he said, my dad was the worst <laughs> guitar teacher because he'd be like, dad, how do you do that? And Eddie Van Halen being Eddie Van Halen would just pick up a guitar and go, yeah. Yeah. 
He goes, no, how do you do that? You know, break it down for me. And Eddie Van Halen couldn't break it down to simply show him <laughs> how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, it's really inspiring to see. I don't know the name offhand, but there's a few kids out there on YouTube that they're just born with the talent. Right. It's amazing. Like when, when these bands, older bands and they need a replacement player, they just go to YouTube and they find yeah, somebody that does it. It's yeah. kind of like how journey found their singer. They found a Filipino yeah. guy that couldn't speak English, but he could imitate Steve Perry really good. Yeah. He does it better. Sounds, Steve Perry than Steve yeah, Perry. Though. No, sounds can't replace exactly Steve Perry. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's other bands that have done that too, that they found people on YouTube huh. as a replacement. Well, um, what's his name? Uh, Adam Lambert, the whole Queen thing. Oh, I think, yeah, I but think... no one can replace no. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. No. That no is one. one person that has the vocal range. Oh. Well, at least at least with Queen, they don't go out touring as Queen. They, they do it Adam Lambert and Queen. Yeah. I know. That would be, yeah, they could, I don't think they could do that, yeah, as that name. Yeah. That, that was the one. And I like Adam Lambert, but, like, yeah, no I, one I, I, I never ever be Freddie I, I never, never got to see Queen. Um, Have you ever listened to um, Under Pressure without the music part of it, and it's just the vocals of David Bowie and Freddie Mercury? Yeah. Wow. Like, his... Like, it shows you how powerful, like, Freddie's vocal range is because mm-hmm. there's, like, no music going on in there. And you're just like, holy shit. <laughs> I, have to, I have to find that. Yeah. yeah. That is interesting when they when they, they, they meet the tracks and just hear the vocals. Yeah. You see. Uh, some it's sound, crazy. Some sound bad, though. <laughs> like, 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 David right. Roth cannot Not Freddie. Sing. <laughs> Not Freddie. Like. Freddie, like, I remember when I was, like, really, I, I mean, I'm still really into Queen, but, like, just really getting into them and being obsessed. And I'm just, like, he was, like, literally, he was born to do that job, like, just be a performer. And then he said it, like, in the movie. I was, like, yes, you were. Right. And, yeah. and, and you know, how he has pretty messed, had mess up, mess up teeth. And he wholeheartedly believed his singing became was that the way his teeth were mm-hmm. yeah, that's why he never got them fixed apparently right because that was the way he yeah thought. i had heard that yeah and also he probably was like fuck you i'm freddie mercury i don't need to yeah. fix my teeth <laughs> fuck off right. you know like have you heard me have you seen me perform the way that he even like worked a stage like was right. just the entire performance was amazing. And then I liked how he would just be like, you know, I'm going to do a disco song and then just did it. And then I'm going to do like an opera type song and then just did it. And these are like masterpieces. Right. You're just like, holy shit. They're like extremely versatile. I, I like bands. Band. That, I like bands that do that rather than do the same thing. Like ACDC, don't get me wrong. Great band, but it's just, yeah. I don't see how you can make the same record time after time <laughs> after time. You know, they stick with what works. <laughs> right? I like, like, like the new Foo Fighters song is a really good song, but it does not sound like Foo Fighters at all. And I like that they have the balls to do something like that. 
See, I like, I never really got into Foo Fighters. I'm like, I like Dave Grohl on the drums. Mm. I, I, would, mm. I would have loved to see what Nirvana would have done if Kurt Cobain, yeah. you know, you imagine, kept going. Yeah, right. Exactly. Progressing. Yeah. I think he was afraid of that, though. I think, it, like, because wasn't uh, the whole, the um, Neil Young saying was in the suicide letter, like, it's better to burn out than fade away or whatever. Is that ex- I, I, think I can't he, remember the I, exact line. I, I, but I, th- I think he would have gone to make amazing music. Maybe not as Nirvana, but maybe as a solo artist. Yeah. I don't know. I think he was. But, I, but, I just think he was afraid of Neil Young not was, being good anymore. Too Neil Young is another one though that doesn't okay. really give a fuck about the mold. You know, he's like, I I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to do rocking in the free world again. <laughs> I think Neil Young came out with like an album where it was just all just like feedback sounds, you know, it was like an EP <laughs> experimental. Or something. Yeah. Like he's he's a strange guy too. Um, in my high school, I had a um, one of my English teachers. She she talked about how she grew up with Neil Young. She went to high school with him, and she's like, he's always been very strange, very odd, but I mean, very talented too. But she's like, yeah, he's always not like him and Bob Dylan are like my go-to though if I'm like really struggling with things like they make me feel better when and Tom Petty like all of them like I have to listen to their music to get through things I I went to go see I went to go see Tom Petty once um and he was just like he said beforehand look I'm not gonna play any of the hits Okay, you know, <laughs> what? and lay next to me the whole concert screaming, break down. I'm like, he's not going to do it. Break down. He's not going to do it. He said he's not going to do it. it. It was still a good show. <clears throat> one thing about Dave Grohl, um, I've never met him, but I heard he's like one of the most uh, kindest down to earth rock stars out there. That, yeah. That he really cares about his fans. He invites people up on stage to play his guitar all the time. And despite what he's been through, you know, he went through a huge heroin addict. Uh, heroin. He was into heroin back in Nirvana, big time, yeah, too. Yeah, Kurt Cobain, you know, too. Um, like, but, yeah, um, I've heard that he's, like, an excellent human being. Yeah. Like, it's just, I'm not... Yeah. I hate well, to say it, like I'm not a huge Foo Fighters yeah, fan. Well, I'm just not. Okay. Just I'm gonna go ahead and bow out now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Like, I know. No, people get mad at me. They also get mad at me for the Dave Matthews Band thing, and I'm just like, I just, I understand that people are like Dave Matthews Band music does stuff to people. Like I've had friends where they're like, they wrote Dave Matthews Band a letter to talk about how much his music has meant to them. And I mean, crying while they're talking about it. And I'm like, dude, I just don't, I was never, I'm not into DMB either. I'm like, oh, I don't shit, get it. Like that one. I know. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I'm being honest, you know, but I'm sure that yeah, I like bands too. that a lot of people yeah. think suck. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> there, there's some bands that I'm not into, like the Grateful Dead, I was never into. Oh, I, I don't like them either. Me either. I'm not yeah. into that one. <laughs> you know, that 20, 20 minute heads. jam. Yeah, right. Know? It's like yeah. a whole album on one song. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that. But, you know, I, I like Springsteen. A lot of people don't like him, you know, because well, whatever reason. I like yeah. Springsteen. Um, Someone what, what, else. What were uh, your influences? Oh. 
Oh, stumped him. <laughs> yeah. Um, influences. Well, I mean, like when I first started playing, I didn't really know anything about ska, so that came later. Um, I just loved the Nirvana's Nevermind album. I liked the. At that, I was seventeen. I was kind of still finding myself. Um, that album spoke to me because it was a lot of there was a lot of a, there was a lot of aggression and anger, mm-hmm. and so that helped me kind of get through some things that I've been through in my life. So that kind of helped me connect to get through that. Um, ooh, I want to talk about... You know, I uh, I never got to see Nirvana, but a couple of years ago, the Foo Fighters did, did, did Cal Jam out in California, and they had, Cal Jam? Yeah. They, they had a reunion of Nirvana, but of course, Kurt was no longer there, but he yeah. brought different people, and um, Joan Jett was one of them. Mm. Oh, yeah. And, I've heard uh, the song sheet. They did uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. And I've never seen that song live. And when that riff kicked in, it was just goosebumps. That's the e- it's the most simplest riff, but man, it was so catchy. Yeah. And that's the thing about music is having that perfect, what's called hook. That's yeah. a, the little part of the song that like, it'll just catch you and it, you remember it. And that's the good thing about, that's the nice amazing, thing about writing. It's amazing how that album just turned the music scene upside yeah. down. Yeah. Went right from... Like instantly, that song came out and all the hair bands died. Instantly. Yeah, <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, I think it was because too, because it, it, his music was so honest too. Like it, it kind of bothers me sometimes when um, there's people in the conspiracies about that he he was like murdered. And I, to each their own. Everybody has the right to think what they want to think. But I'm like, did you guys listen to his music? Because I mean. He talked about. I mean, he talked about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. When when, when what happened, what happened to him happened. um, I don't think anybody was shocked. I mean, I I mean, you you were like, I remember. I remember hearing the news. I remember turning on because when MTV was still doing rock music, right? And they did the like the music news on the top of the hour, and I remember the breaking news. And Kurt Loder comes on, and yeah, I saw what happened. Happened, but well. I don't think it was extremely shocking when it actually happened because the time before was more shocking when it was like he attempted it and then and then was okay yeah for a little bit yeah and then um, when he finally had done it though like it was still I still remember Courtney Love reading the um, suicide letter on MTV and I kind of liked the part where she was like. Um, calling him out and going, Oh, fuck you. You're not a martyr. I mean, I felt bad. I felt really bad for her too, like getting so much shit and people thinking that she had part in it too. Uh, I'm like, give me a break. You know, she's not, she's not a perfect person. I mean, she's a person that's a fucked up person, but still she did not kill her husband. You know, and another one, you know, like Kurt Cobain, um, Chester Bennington, too. Yeah. Um, that was another one that... He went at, to at, my high school. My, yeah. Yeah. My, uh, fact. My, um, my, no, my cousin got, like... My cousin was talking about... We were talking about this one time, and he's like, yeah, so my cousins still live, like, in Greenway District, Greenway High School, 
And he had went to Greenway, too. Like, I think he might have been the same year as my cousin. I never knew him because I was older. But he, so his family moved into the house right next door to my my cousin. And he's like, I remember, like, I would try to be cool to him and his friends. They were like goth kids. So I'd be like, hey, man, what's up? And they'd be like, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, the point being is uh, with, with Chester, if, if you listen to the lyrics and you go, wow, he was a tortured guy for he many, was many years. He was molested when he was younger, yeah. too. That's and I, I think that, that's what a lot drive, of what I, happened. I think that's what drives a lot of people to music is, you know. It's, it's a place mm-hmm. of solace. It's a place of you can you can get your your feelings out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's been a big issue for me um you know 10 years old i had issues with molestation for two years and Mm -hmm. it's like my family has never wanted to deal with it and they wonder why i've been so effed up over the years um it's something that i just you know I've always been told, oh, just just don't worry about the past, you know, just just get over it. That's the way my family always was, you know. And then I was in an abusive abusive relationship with the only love of my life, but he used to get so drunk and jealous, I would come home and he would pin me down and he caused me to actually learn, um, I don't have all my hearing anymore because he used to hit me so much in my ears. So that's another thing that I just despise about it because it's like, as a musician, it's like I can't hear the things I used to be able to hear. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, but, you know, musicians in general, okay. My thing is, if I see a musician that has a perfect life and nothing wrong with them. No way. No way. You have, in, in my view, it's, it, it, it's, you have to have some kind of trauma issues. I mean, you look like what Chester was talking about, you know, his songs, and you look about things with people. I'm not a big songwriter, but, you know, I do journal every now and then. Um, but like I said, if I, if it wasn't for music, I don't, I don't think I would be here today helping me through like dark times and things like that. In Springsteen's autobiography, he talks a lot about depression, and that was one that he would never have thought. Yeah, about right. About yeah, him, but he had, think he had, he's he, like he, all he had, American boy. Right. He, he had big issues with it, and you know, he was he's open about. It. I, I think most the other, the other one is uh, stand up comedians. A lot of them deal with depression. Oh, yeah. What, what they yeah, what they do is they project that comedic side of them to repress I think what they're feeling Wayne Brady from you know Wayne Brady he deals with tremendous depression and anxiety apparently well look at him you know then again he's probably got plenty of money for medication but But, um, yeah I mean a lot of people do a lot of people they're they're afraid to say that because they think people are going to think lesser of them Um, but you know it's 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 the it's the bad things in the world that you go through that you try and make it stronger for your soul and move on. But there's certain things where I hold on to the past way too much, you know. So another thing is with, with Weezer. So in 2002, their bass player Mikey 
stopped showing up for video shoots and recording. And at the time, I was really connected with um, some labels and things like that. And I got a call. And I said, Chris, um, not sure if you want to try and uh, attempt this, but uh, I have a connection with Weezer. They're looking to audition bass players. Right. At the time, huge fan. Anxiety was not controlled at that time. I basically never got back to the person. So I missed a huge opportunity to probably be in a nice band right now, but I connected with Scott uh, Schreiner, who is the current bass player since 2003 to current, and a great guy, and uh, we've shared stories and all that. But, uh, you know, it's another regret, you know? You know, I back, I think I've told this story on this podcast once, but back in the mid-90s, I had an opportunity. I was hanging out with this guy who worked in radio in New York City, and, um, you know, he was just like, yeah, you're really funny. You should come down and audition, <clears throat> you know, and for whatever reason, you know, me being me is I didn't have the confidence myself to go do it. Right. And yeah. Which, looking back, I should have. Yep. Exactly. Who knows? You who knows know. where that would have gone? But the thing is, is like, I, I, I look at myself, if I had done that, I auditioned, I got it. Would it have gone to my head way too much? Or would I, would I, you know, it's like, because Rivers Cuomo, he's, talk about someone out there. He's a micromanager, writes great songs. <clears throat> but the thing is, is, you know, talking with Scott Schreiner, the current bass player, he's, he's told me there's been, you know, yeah, there's control issues and whatnot. But hey, when you're at that level, getting that paycheck, having fun, playing something that you like. They're more of a, you know, they went through a lot of different stages. Um, but I, 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 I always think about bands like that, like um, Pink Floyd is one. I'm like, why wouldn't Roger Waters and David Gilmore just put the differences aside and just do one massive tour and just the payday would be so big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wonder. I mean, that's why Guns, that's why Guns N' Roses got back together. That's, they ran out of money? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. How, how do you want out of Guns N' Roses money? Yeah, that's what fascinates me. Who are these like? Well, Axl Rose has had a lot of face work done. Not, not that I'm against that, but I didn't recognize I, him recently. I, he I, looks very different he did, yeah, he than like, he ever did before. Yeah, well, he's a he's a bigger guy. Now. I like Axl Rose. Yeah. though. I mean, I like him as a he's face. a good person. Like that, I like all of his. You know st- his political stuff that he comments on. Like, I mean, some some bands just have it in them, like the Green Day. They've always managed to stay together. I think they have rocky periods, but for the most part, right? They, they seem to. Like, yeah, Green Day and U two. Okay, never had a lineup change ever. You know, so I, that 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 just that is amazing to to see. Uh, a lot of people slam me for liking U two as much as I do. Oh, I love you too. Okay, good. <laughs> I like old you too. Like Red Rocks and like yeah, Sunday Bloody Sunday. But the newer stuff, they went through that the, the Zeropa. That was like, I was like, what are you doing? It was like yeah. very very electronic and all that. But my God, talk about a band that knows how to do a stage show though. You too. Their shows are incredible. Yeah, I was I was reading something the other day that 
when they do go on tour, they have 24 buses that carry all their equipment. It's good. You know, they get set up the elaborate stage and all that. And, um, you know, they each have their own, like, personal assistants and things like that. But uh, you wonder, though, the thing is, is about when bands get that big, you wonder how real their playing is. Or are they, do that people like The Edge? You know, have you seen his setup? Yeah, I mean that's incredible. That is like he and I've, I've got a school for that shit. I, I've seen him do Stuff. it, and and hit the, the riffs he do does are actually really simple. Yeah, but, but he runs them through so many so processes many effects and process. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, you wonder like that's it, it, there's that line where it becomes like true, like you know. I've played maybe with like a chorus pedal and a flanger pedal and a, a, a bass distortion pedal. That's the most I've ever played with. But you see these, these these huge bands and, you know, it's like, okay, so basically there's people backstage that are pressing buttons and pushing this to change that right. and that. And so some of the bands you can tell are just totally out there faking it. Yeah. Um, you know, like... Oh God! Uh, call bands out. Um, like sometimes, like Motley Crue, and you'd be like, "Huh, I know Vince Neil doesn't really sound like that." Because if if you listen to him isolated, it's just yeah, all those yeah, those overtones put on top. But I mean, that happens a lot. Even even this little like we t- we recorded in my band Routine Riot. That was my second. <clears throat> not second, but that was uh, my second favorite band. We were like a jack of all trades of music. Everything from from rock to we call emo to uh, electronica to ska. And um, unfortunately, 2002 was our last show at the Glass House in Pomona. Um, we didn't plan it, um, but we let our merchandise manager walk away for a second and someone stole all of our merchandise. I never got a second copy of our original CD myself. And that was just like a blow. And it's funny, we, we, we played the show and then we didn't talk for three weeks. And all of a sudden I was, I had the, I did the finances. All of a sudden I'm like, called the guys and go, what's going on? Well, I'm having a baby. I'm going to college. I'm like, okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to write you guys all checks. And I guess we just call it, call it a uh, call it quits. Bummer. It sucked. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what's got to be hard about being being a band. You got four different people, four different personalities, and trying to keep everybody in the same direction. That's why it's amazing. Like the U twos and the Green Days can stay together for that long. Yeah, you know. But again, I guess you take, they take breaks from each other for a couple of years at a time. Yeah, kind of cool their jets or whatnot. But yeah, that was with Routine Riot. It was like me and the drummer Ryan. We really wanted to take it to the next level, and we could have. Um, Keith, our singer, and Ryan and Tom and Scott, our keyboardist, guitar player, singer, they just wanted to do it as like just a, a fun, like local thing. So the big thing about when you join a band, um, I remember talking to um, um, uh, Brian T Bone Willie, for, he plays trombone for Safe Harris. I remember talking to him one morning. Um, and he said, you know, the biggest thing when you do join a band, get together. You need to talk with everyone to see what page they're on. And if everyone's not on the same page, you need to discuss that and then decide who you want in the band. 
because, you know, I really wanted to go places and we could have with routine riot, but um, just we weren't all on the same page. It was just more of a fun played out place shows just in Orange County and we were goofy and things like that. So I was hoping this podcast would go places, but you know, God, it's a tough racket. <laughs> I, uh, I think we should wrap this up. Um, Chris, thanks for coming on. Thank yeah, you. For, I, 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 I think we might have to have you on again because I think we have more stories to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Thank oh, you for nice. having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, is there any plugs, anything, anything out there you want to? Oh, too many. Um, like you said, um, Mario, stand with Mario. He's um, offhand with all my notes. He was born with um, a disability, and throughout the years, he's been bullied because of it. And um, his his mom Donna has this campaign. It's uh, hashtag Stand with Mario, and it's basically just an anti-bullying thing, you know. And I'm proud to wear the shirt. And he's just an amazing person. He, he's, he's so into the local ska scene, too. And, um, and then, um, unfortunately, my friends Jamie and Tim, they lost their son to cancer when he was five a number of years ago. And that was really hard because he was doing really well. And then it just came back and it took his life. And... They still struggle every day, and, and they do a journal every every day about things. And so it's just doing the right thing and trying to help people out in this world. That's what I like to try and do so much. I don't have a lot of resources or money, but like I mentioned, just giving a simple compliment or maybe like a, a just a simple thank you card to um, people that I see that are not so much struggling, but they're out there and they're, they're doing, they're doing what they can to get by in these hard times. And, you know, it's, it's not about reflecting on me like, Oh yeah, I did this good thing. It's just making someone maybe that has a bad day going on, maybe turning that frown upside down into a smile. Yeah. I I try to tell the people closest to me. I try to give them positive affirmation every day and tell them that you care about them and that you love them. And, and just like you and I have been talking about certain things, you know, yeah. you know, sucks. That, you know, I'm glad we're able to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully yeah. things will get better. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, uh, we always talk about this, uh, you know, if you're, you know, depressed and going through stuff, the best thing to do is turn to a friend and try to talk about it. Yeah. Rather than wallow in your own head, but the- especially when you have too much time on your hands. Yeah. Stir crazy. That's yeah. the thing. Is like, yeah, I'd rather be doing something and be busy. But at the same time, is you know, people that do have anxiety or depression oftentimes have a problem reaching out. Um, it's just like with uh, addiction or alcohol, alcoholism. Alcoholism. Um, it's like when I get that uh, that craving to do something in my past that I'm not proud of. It's it's like the last thing I want to do is reach out to someone to talk me out of it. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know. So sometimes you like just like to. Uh, sometimes feeling sad feels good for some reason, and you just get get to that place, yeah. and you just just want to. And you know, there's nothing wrong with it. nothing wrong with crying. You know, I'll sit sometimes and just cry, cry my emotions out, and um, 
it just helps me feel better. Maybe it's not something specific, but it's something just feels like it's just like kind of cleansing myself in a way. Yeah, you know, and getting over it. And uh, I'll, say, I'll say I've done that over the last couple of weeks. You just just be uh, listen to music and just a song come on and it'll just hit you just the right way. And you're right. Like, yeah. Why am I crying? Yeah. Turns your day uh, right upside, yeah. uh, the right side up. Well, on that note, uh, we'll wrap this one up. Uh, Snow, thanks for doing this podcast with me. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank a, it, you. It's very therapeutic at times. I know. I love this podcast. Yeah. Even if it doesn't go anywhere. It's hey, my therapy. I don't even know. Hey, we, we, picked up a, we picked up a listener in France. Yay! Hey. <laughs> so whoever you are. So I don't even know what a podcast is. Is that Apple-based? Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're Is on it? Spotify okay. and Amazon. It, it's, <laughs> uh, quite simple. It, it's a it's a talk talk show like on radio, but you put it out there yourself. So you can so, like so people can listen to it anytime they want. Okay. So the platform can it be like on YouTube or no? Uh, there's a way to convert it. Maybe once yeah. okay. Um, once I figure this out, I have, I have all the time on my hands. You think I'd be doing stuff like that right so now? So much time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks. All right, everybody. All right. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Okay. Ta-ta. Bye, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.